Hello, welcome to a new episode of Vines to Wines. I hope you're staying cool during the heat wave that is plaguing our state. Today I'm chatting with John Cottle. He sells Sheridan wine over at Sheridan Vineyards in Zilla, Washington. But he's got a background as a chef, so we talk a lot about food pairing and uh, all sorts of fun topics like that. Please enjoy. Yeah, so first, why don't you share with the listener what it is you do around here? Uh, well, I am with a winery and vineyard called Sheridan, um, uh, like Nicolette Sheridan, not like the Sheridan Hotel. Um, Great distinction. I am a winery chef, hospitality uh, travel nationally for sales and marketing. Um, we self-distribute in Washington and Oregon, so I do all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't cook for a living anymore. I only cook for people I like. You used to cook? You used to be a chef? And I, I, I'm still a chef, but... Um, once a chef, always a chef. Um, I Like I said, I only cook for people I like now. Right. So okay. That's a plus. That is a plus. Uh, what kind of cooking is your style? Uh, my specialty is lamb. I grew up in the Willamette Valley of Oregon. Okay. Uh, the woman that babysat me from 18 months to five years old, uh, her son had a sheep farm in Southern Oregon, Okay, a little town called Yonkala. If you know where that is, you're a hillbilly just like me. I don't know the town. I have a lot of family in Medford and Ashland, but okay. uh, I haven't made it outside of those towns. So that's, uh, Yonkala is in between Eugene and Roseburg. Okay. Yeah. So, a little, uh, a little further north. A little further north, yeah. but that's, that's where you come from. Yep. And uh, so you said your specialty is lamb. I'm sure you're skilled with a bunch of different uh, styles, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not to um, speak for you, but... Um, uh, rack of lamb is, is probably my favorite thing to cook. Yeah. Um, I do uh, a terrific lamb burger, and um, I have I've substituted lamb for beef in some dishes before for people that said they would not eat lamb because they're mm. thinking mutton and old animals that are... Or have all the lanolin, you know, in the in the flavor profile. Mm-hmm. You get young lamb, you you trim off all that fat. You never know. Okay. So it's uh, so uh, so. If you don't cook anymore, uh, share a little bit more about what it is you do with Sheridan. So you are involved in selling their wine and distributing their wine. Yes, we uh, like I said, self distribute for Washington and Oregon. So I go to Seattle, Portland, Eugene periodically. Right. Uh, if I have to get up into the San Juans, I'll do that. Breaks my heart having to go up there and stay. Um, yeah, that place sucks. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's it's difficult to get up there, um, especially this time of year. Um, and then uh, our number one market in the nation is Missouri, and right next to that is really? Kansas. Yeah, and I've been going to Missouri for uh, ten years, and just uh, just finished my twenty second trip to uh, Missouri. Uh, How did that get started? That seems pretty random. Yeah, Sommelier came out from uh, St. Louis and tried our wines. It was a wine commission event uh, called the Road Show, and there was forty really good wineries out in Prosser, and he glommed onto our wine, and and uh, so we sat down for dinner, and he stood and. And poured our wine all night long, so I got to eat. And right on. I got, I got some uh, nasty looks from the, the other <laughs> winery folk. but um, And then he brought a buddy out six months later for the Big Taste Washington event that uh, has not been held the last couple of years, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, was always the end of March in Seattle. You know, you've got 800 wines and 200 wineries and 80 restaurants. And, I mean, it's two days of just... Um, Good food, good wine. Yeah, yeah it's 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 a magical time. Uh, but brought this guy out, and um, they signed us. And I went out to Missouri three months later with a pallet of wine, 
which is for those of you who don't know, it's uh, 56 cases typically. Right. And we sold all of it in two hours. Wow. And I had a whole week there, and so we had a bunch of sample bottles, and we just went around to all the cool restaurants and all the cool wine shops and made friends. And I've hosted probably two dozen people from Missouri um, out here in the Yakima Valley. Some mm-hmm. have been to my house for dinner. Some have been uh, up at the barn when we were by Deneen, and, and none of them have been to the new place yet, though, yeah. uh, the garden. So so describe what the new place is. Uh, so it was a, a former tasting room of another winery here locally called Maison de Paget. Okay. Um, and it was a production, it was not a production facility. It's built as a working winery. It has floor drains, lots of electricity, concrete floors. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's built to go, but um, uh, Dave never used it for that. And we bought it from him in late uh, 2019. His father had fell ill and he needed to get out. And we were looking for a new place to get out of the barn. And, and uh, uh, so it worked out well. Unfortunately, it was you know right before COVID hit. And so mm-hmm. trying to get any contractors to do any work inside was difficult. And we are still right. not finished. And now we're you know virtually open. So uh, it's been it's been quite a process. Yeah, uh, I want to get back on uh, the topic of where you travel for uh, um, for selling your wine. So when you're in Missouri, are, is there a lot of Washington wine that's being consumed in Missouri, or were you going over there and and kind of like introducing that to that market? Well, um, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, the the thing that really most that most impressed me on my first trip was the level of wine knowledge and the level of food quality, mm-hmm. um, not only in Kansas City, but in St. Louis. And everybody always asks you when you go to Missouri, are you going to have barbecue? You know, That's in, what my experience was in right, Missouri, but right. I didn't go maybe to the places you went. <laughs> well, it, I've been you know, out 22 times, and right. I've had barbecue three times. Okay, yeah. Uh, but the cuisine out there is fantastic. Uh, St. Louis is, is really uh, underserved um, uh, for travel and destination. Uh, Kansas City has some of the best meat in the world and terrific barbecue um yeah right but the level of wine knowledge even the 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 people that would be selling in in some of the grocery stores out there had a certified specialist of wine mm-hmm. uh, accreditation a lot of them were sommeliers a lot of more advanced sommeliers uh so it was it was easy for me to get out there and kind of coexist and and talk about you know everything that that matters to us you know the the vineyard and the soil and the you know the diurnal shift during the you know the harvest uh, season and um so it didn't ring shallow it's not like you're having to go to uh um and uh, educate uh, every single time which i don't mind doing but Mm -hmm. are you seeing washington wine grow in popularity in places like missouri like 50 years ago, no one was buying Washington wine probably in Missouri, right? Well, we didn't have a wine business back then. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. We're pretty young. So yeah. are you, you have to be seeing this growing interest in Washington wine it's as you go It's exponential. Around. It, it yeah. truly is. And the value that you get from Washington wine, and, and we have some you know wines that are very, very expensive, but if you're buying a $20 or $25 Cabernet from the Yakima Valley and you buy a $25 California Cabernet, mm-hmm. worlds, worlds apart. Really, um, our 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 fruit will far surpass uh, what you're going to get out of California, just because. Yeah, why uh, do you think that is? The size of the crop. Okay. You know they're doing seven, eight, nine, ten tons an acre. Um, we're doing, you know, maybe five or six. If you, if you're getting something from the chateau, they tend to crop a little bit higher. You know they're doing a lot of volume, 
uh, here in the valley, um, three and a half tons per acre is, is usually um, um, uh, pretty median size uh, of uh, So having harvest. that lower tons per acre impacts the quality? Intensity, um, yeah. uh, the, the profile, uh, the acid level that you get in Washington because of our diurnal shift, we get 40 and 50 degree temperature swings during the growing season. Right, I've uh, heard that get tossed around a lot. Yeah, We're also uh, one of the few east-west regions in the world be- because of being so far north, we get an extra two hours of sunlight during the growing season mm-hmm. than California does. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of um, almost, you know, the perfect place in the wine commission um uh, capitalize on that the epicenter of wine uh, it really is I mean we are we are few and far between with east west uh, being so far north and having that diurnal shift this is one of three or four places in the world that can claim that so yeah I, I've heard a lot of that stuff get tossed around um, what other markets besides Missouri are you seeing uh, become interested in Washington wine through, well, through we, your experience? Yeah, we get inquiries from uh, Texas and Florida probably more than anything. Really? And um, we just don't make enough wine to, to be able to support that. Mm-hmm. You know, Sheridan's at 100 acres now. We're pretty much capacity. Um, we did sell off a lot of fruit, you know, years ago, but since since about 2016, uh, we keep 100% of everything. We've got a second label that, mm-hmm. that we don't really sell um, uh, locally, Yeah, uh, but that just goes out to distribution. Do so. people grow wine in Texas? Can, is it a good Oh, yeah. There's, they're the hill country of Texas. Um, they, they do a pretty good job, I mean, considering mm-hmm. it, it's different. Um, yeah. Uh, the heat units are different there. Arizona does a good job with wine as well. Um, uh, Virginia, obviously, you know, with uh, Thomas Jefferson bringing back grapevine, uh, the varieties that they grow there are much different than we do. There's very few vinifera or wine grapes there. There's a lot of hybrids uh, that they'll grow. But Viognier yeah. uh, does really, really well there. Norton, um, a South American variety, does very well there. Uh, Norton's a hybrid um, that uh, is not susceptible to mildew. And oh, in, in areas of the country where it's very um, muggy mm-hmm. and moist, a lot of people hate that word. <laughs> moist. It's, um, it's like Virginia. It's, it's hard um, to um, deter the mildew because uh, you're, you're having to sulfur, you know, mm-hmm. once, twice, three times a week just to keep the mildew down. And so that's why they grow the hybrids because they're not susceptible to the mold. Does Pinot Noir grow there? No. Because uh, that was a wild guess, but Pinot Noir is grown in the Willamette Valley, right? Correct. Yeah. So what is it about the Pinot Noir that, because the Willamette Valley is somewhat of a unique wine growing region in its own. And so what is it about the Pinot Noir that grows in that region especially well? Because I, you're talking about the climate in Virginia. That's very different than the climate here. Yes. And so I'm kind of interested in what you were just saying about how different grapes thrive in different climates. Right. Uh, can you help satisfy my curiosity well, about Pinot Noir? Pinot Noir is, is a very thin-skinned grape variety. It likes a large canopy. It likes to be protected from the sun. Uh, with it being so hot here, mm-hmm. um, you really can't grow Pinot Noir in, in the Yakima Valley right. or any of the hot sites without growing a huge canopy. If you get a real huge canopy on it, you're going to get uh, green flavors and... Uh, most of the Pinot Noir that's grown in Washington, you'll see it down in the gorge, you'll see it up in the Ancient Lakes area. It's grown for uh, rosé or for sparkling wine. Interesting. Uh, but the Willamette Valley, it's much cooler down there. Um, they don't have... Um, the, the, Pinot doesn't mind the cool nights, but it, it hates the hot days, mm-hmm. and and it, that really scorches it. And so to get color, you know, if you're if you're 
um, growing a larger crop, you're going to kind of dilute the color in the berry. And with it being a thin skin, you're going to want more skin contact to get some color off of Washington Pinot Noir. And what you do then is you end up developing tannins and you don't really want a whole lot of tannin uh, in Pinot Noir because it's a very uh, feminine, very soft uh, grape uh, as for the most part. And so it's because of that thin skin that makes it so unique. It has a lot to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Cab Franc is, is uh, fairly thin skinned as well, but it does exceptionally well in, in our region. Up oh, here. weird. This, okay. this Rosa Hill area all the way from Red Willow, which is on the west end of the Acoma Valley till about um, almost a sunny side you know this this rosa ridge area really um, performs well because of that hot day and cool night right know, we'll be a hundred we're gonna be over a hundred plus tonight it'll get down to probably 59 in, in my place mm -hmm. uh, you know so there's 45 degrees right there we've already had yeah. a couple of 50 degree uh, temperature shifts already so uh, yeah well that gets me to my next question what is it that led you to uh, coming to the Yakima Valley like you kind of already touched on it, but I guess maybe how did you end up here in the Yakima Valley and what is so cool about the Yakima Valley? Um, well, um, <laughs> or maybe it's not that interesting of a story. No, it, I'm just it, curious. It really is. <laughs> okay. Um, um, I, uh, um, I spent some time in San Diego, Navy days, did some, a uh, couple of tours overseas. Okay. Uh, got kind of burned out on the Southern California life, moved back to the Pacific Northwest, but I moved to Seattle instead of back to Eugene, uh, met my soon-to-be wife um, within like three weeks, and um, uh, push come to shove, we we got married a few years later, and I wasn't keen on what I was doing, and so I was able to quit my job and enroll in culinary school. And um, where was that? Uh, the Seattle Culinary Cap Academy up okay. on uh, Capitol Hill. And, yeah, yeah, and a great program and. Um, uh, a couple of guys out of there that have done really, really well on the world stage. Right. Um, and um, helped open a wine shop six months later. So here I was cooking during the day, managing the wine shop at night, uh, started meeting the vintners from over here. Um, Casey McClellan from Seven Hills was our first tasting that we ever did. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's, he's just now stepping down as winemaker for Seven Hills after 30 years or so. So bravo to Casey. Okay. Um, but started coming over here and really enjoyed the Yakima Valley. Loved the weather, loved the lack of rain, um, mm -hmm. and really, uh, uh, really was enamored with, um, you know, the whole vibe being out in the country and, yeah. uh, wanted to instill some, um, some culinary attributes. Um, so, um, in 99, we threw caution to the wind. I didn't have a job. My wife commuted back for a full year, back to Seattle, stayed with her folks and, uh, long slowly, slowly, but surely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she only did it, you know, Monday through Thursday, but, sure. um, and slowly uh, uh, had a couple of restaurants in Yakima and then started catering and um, helped open a, a couple of wineries down Valley. And um, so it's been just kind of a food and wine mm -hmm. extravaganza for us. And um, now we just do donation dinners and, 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 you know, Red Cross or Humane Society and stuff, you know, causes that we support. Right. Uh, so it's interesting uh, how close we are to Seattle because as far as like the greater wine region, we're... Basically, for those who aren't familiar, you, you're in Seattle, you go right over the mountains, and then that's basically the Yakima Valley after a few more miles down the road. And Well, not exactly, <laughs> but... Uh. Well, I was talking with uh, um, another guest, Matt Ron, right uh -huh. before you uh, came in here, and we were just chatting about how uh, it's it's really not that long of a drive for people to come out here and come visit, and we just 
I'm trying to encourage everyone that in Seattle that likes wine, like come over here and, and see, see where it's made and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know. I just think that's kind of a draw for the Yakima Valley. Is it's not as far as Walla Walla, for example, or it's it's amazing how many people from Seattle have never been to Washington Wine Country. That, that's what I'm yeah. sort of getting yeah. at. Like it isn't that far. They think of Woodenville as as Washington Wine Country. <laughs> it's tasting room country, and they do yes. make wine there, but there's no grapes growing over there. Yeah, because um, you need this climate that you're just describing. Well, you do, you do. Again, um, over there, it's very, very moist. All that rain, you have mildew mm-hmm. issues. So there's are some varieties that work well. Uh, varieties that don't need a lot, a lot of heat units. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the biggest thing over here. We can grow virtually anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, this really is the promised land. Look at look at the apples and the cherries. I mean, you guys have a huge acreage of cherries walking in um, up the driveway, and I see you have you have uh, dark red. So Bing's on one side and Rainier's on the you other. Know cherries, and, and they're coming on. <laughs> you know, they're they're pretty close. Yeah. They're maybe a week, ten days away. It's they're looking up. good. Yeah. yeah. So cherry season's always fun and. Uh, maybe not for the uh, for the orchardists. But. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we've had some hectic cherry seasons before, yeah, but yeah, that's for sure. We're getting our process down, that's for sure. Yeah. So uh, I want to get into pairing wine, uh, pairing wine with food because from what you're describing your past, as it seems like you might know a thing or two about pairing wine with food, is that correct? I like to eat, yeah, and I love wine, um, and really every. Every new wine that I try, I think first about, you know, if I like the wine, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but I think about what I would pair with it. So if I'm having a Sauvignon Blanc, you know, what, what style of, of food would go with that? If I'm mm-hmm. having a, a new Grenache or, or a Syrah or a Cab, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it, it's easy to pair the, you know, the standard uh, pairings. I mean, Sauvignon Blanc and asparagus, uh, that's uh, one of the few wines you can actually pair with uh, mm-hmm. asparagus um, because it has similar green notes. Um, but in that light, um, Sauvignon Blanc would go great with a, you know, a prawn, cold prawn salad. Um, there's just so many. We really get into rosés this time of year, and we drink rosé at home all year long. But what, What's a good pair for rosé? Um, I, uh, I shock people sometimes and do a big um, two-inch thick ribeye off the grill, and I crumble it with fresh goat cheese and put mm-hmm. a little arugula salad on it and serve it with a badass dry rosé, and people are floored. Mm-hmm. Um, rosé and champagne are the two wines, sparkling wine as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, that can go with virtually anything. You know, it's, it's how you, you complement or you abstract the flavors that are in the wine that are in the food. Um, if you have a dish that you really like, don't try and find a wine that goes with it. That can get very, very expensive. What do you, okay. It, well, think about it. You know, if you have this one dish that you love and you try one red and another red and another red and another red, all of a sudden that's a hundred bucks worth of wine that you've opened and you still don't have the right wine to go with your food pairing. You always want to find um, the the wine that you like and build your menu around the wine. Oh, so much okay. easier, a, a lot cheaper as well. Go to the herb garden, go to the spice cabinet, mm-hmm. uh, and taste, sip and taste, sip and taste, and see what works. And then you you can work your your protein and your vegetables and your starches around that. Can okay. I ask some more? Can I list off some wines and you tell me what you think pairs well with them? Sure. Uh, well. Let's just start. Uh, let's start with some reds. What about a Malbec? Oh, I don't drink a lot of Malbec. Um, <laughs> the first question is a yeah, trick question. I, I don't love Washington Malbec because I, I find um, we don't have the right sites for it here. Um, it has a lot of blue fruits to it. Um, geez, 
Uh, you've kind of stumped me. How, how about another? Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. What about a uh, a Cab Franc? Cab Franc, uh, definitely lamb, and uh, something that has tomato in it, uh, but not like um, not like a ragu, not like a tomato sauce, but something that is is pungent and maybe smoked or dried. Um, I have done um, a lamb loaf, uh, so like meatloaf, mm-hmm. uh, but lamb, and I stud it with golden raisins that I've hydrated in wine, and that sounds and tasty. so you know it keeps it nice and moist like that. And yeah. then I smoked a bunch of tomatoes, okay, and made a smoked tomato ketchup, wow. and that smokiness, uh, any kind of smoke um, um, uh, uh, component goes really well with the franc. So. Uh, I've heard that lamb also goes well with Malbec. Would would you agree with that? Or? Yeah, and, and you know, being that um, you know the gauchos in South America, they eat a lot of meat. Uh, uh-huh. So really, think anything off the grill that has a char like that yeah. would go well with Malbec. Um, I really really like uh, South American Malbec because okay. it's grown at high elevation. You know, it's got that that purple brambly fruit note to it, um, mm. but it's not full of oak and alcohol. And that's something that I find uh, for our Washington Malbecs. Um, uh, it's kind of a generalization, but mm. um, they tend to be uh, really high in alcohol and they tend to have a lot of oak on them. Okay. Um, and there's there's a few out there that aren't like that. Uh, they're done in concrete um, or or less new oak uh, that I like a lot. Uh, but I, I like higher elevation. Yeah, you, know, you need that interesting cool, cooler okay. site uh, so it doesn't get so ripe. Interesting. What about a Zinfandel? Zin, uh, that's a burger wine. Um, burger wine. I mean ribs. Um, anything, you know, that you're slav- uh, slathering with barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't have anything spicy, though. Uh, Zen tends to be the highest alcohol uh, mm-hmm. of most of the varieties out there. It can be 16, 17% alcohol on a regular basis without you really even knowing it because it has so much gush- really? gushing fruit. Wow. Um, but it's great for like 4th of July. Yeah. Throw it in the ice bucket. Okay. Uh, with your white wines, get a little chill on it, and then you know you have your greasy burger or you know brats with smoked gouda and sauerkraut. That zin's gonna go great because it's just so fruity. It's really appealing. Um, just well, just watch out. Cause this is gonna come out uh, in mid June, right before the Fourth of July. So, oh, you're, you're now well, perfectly. There, timed. there we go. There, there we, we go. go. <laughs> there we go. Um, I just learned about a uh, a wine called Limburger. Uh huh. I'm asking you sort of. I could ask you about a cap soft, but what's the point there? Uh, what about a Limburger? Limburger's cool, and Limburger is um, um, uh, a variety that I find is kind of a chameleon. Um, okay. You know, if you get old vine Limburger off of Red Mountain, um, it can it can stand up for 20, 25, sometimes 30 years. I mean, it, yeah. and when it gets old like that, it tastes like Cabernet. I mean, you can mm. put it blind into a tasting of older Cabernets and you, would, you wouldn't even know that it's Limburger. Is there a reason that there isn't a whole lot of Limburger being grown around It's the here? name. Come on. <laughs> you know, who wants to drink Limburger? Everybody thinks it's stinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that you think that's just the marketing? I, I think that why is. don't we toss a new name and call it the Washington Limburger, but make a new name for it? Well, they also call it Blue Franc. That sounds much better. And um, down in California, uh, this winery called Shooting Star, Dave Crippen, that used to be at Cubby Run uh, here in Zilla, um, uh, made a, um, uh, a Lemberger, um, and he called it Blue Franc. And that winery down in um, California still makes that, and it's called Blue Franc. Okay. In, in, in Austria and, and Germany, it's called Blau Frankisch. <laughs> uh, so that's where Blue yeah, Franc yeah. comes from. Yes. Okay. Um, 
what's going on over at Sheridan right now? I mean, it's it's June. It, like, is there kind of a uh, a season for you where like where like it's throughout the year you're doing kind of a different style of of work, or is it kind of just the same all year round for you over there? Well, uh, the new property has three quarters of an acre of sculpted garden. Okay. And so every week uh, it's changing. The honeysuckles out right now. The irises that are, are are so fragrant are out. You know, daffodils are are all gone by now. So the the garden changes dramatically every day. Mm-hmm. Um, out in the garden, we're able to seat people out out in the shade, and and some people like to be in the sun. Um, so we can host. You know, we can have twenty tables out there at one time. Uh, it's a lot to do table service. Yeah, because uh, we can't do um, you know uh, bar pour. Right. Um, Winter time. That's a whole other story out here. Unless you've got a good size indoor space, it's it's cold as hell. And and even you know we've got an indoor outdoor space and and the heaters during the winter they don't really cut it. So mm-hmm. and our traffic is down in the winter time uh, anyway. So yeah. But anytime from April to you know. Uh, late October. You is, guys are year-round open, right? Sort of. Has, sort we, of. We close down sort of in the winter. Yeah. And, yeah. And as far as like open. January. Um, yeah. Go to Mexico. Go to Hawaii. Go someplace yeah. warm where you get out of Dodge. You know, the wines are put to bed. Um, mm-hmm. They're, you know, slowly bubbling away with malolactic going on. And, and so it's mm-hmm. easy to leave for a while and, and not fret. Um, you know, if there's appointments, if we've got members coming over and they want to do something, you know, we'll take care of that. And uh, we do Thursday through Sunday, uh, 12 to 4. We close at 4 o'clock. Um, I like closing at 4 o'clock, and that was kind of my impetus. Um, you get a lot of stragglers in after 4 o'clock, and uh, I'll be blunt. Most of them have had um, maybe a little too much to drink. And our, I know what you mean. Our I responsibility as vintners is to make sure that people are safe. Um, right, because everyone's going around drinking everyone's wine all day and it would be a bad look if people weren't safe because that's on all of us that is on all of us and yeah. that you know somebody walks in and they're uh, inebriated we do our best to say hey your group can come in unless they're all that way yeah and then we turn them away um but we make sure that they don't have any more to drink we make sure we get some water in them uh i'll make some food up for them mm-hmm. uh so that they get something in their system because uh you know, you're 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 on the clock and you're on the honor, um, mm-hmm. and you you have to um, uh, really take care of your people because you want them to come back. Yeah, the what that brings to mind though is the fun weekend in October when people go around on horses. Mm. You're <laughs> you're nodding your head. You know exactly what I'm talking mm. about. That uh, the reason I say fun is because it might not be fun for everybody, but you you can have a few glasses of wine and ride a horse because the horse is not going to endanger itself. So you, it just has a whole other flavor out here for that one weekend. It, I, I tell people about that and they think it's so funny that people go around on horseback wine tasting. Yeah. The and problem, it's Halloween. They're all dressed up too. The problem with that is, uh, it's, you, it's easy to fall off a horse too. It, I, as I'm hearing myself talk, there are tons of probably accident prone situations yeah. that yeah. happen, but it is just a funny sight. Well, you know, when the (laughs) Cherrywood bed and breakfast, when they bring the horses around and, you know, we've got posts uh, at uh, the garden where we let them tie up and they Mm -hmm. haven't haven't done any of those this year. But uh, in years past, that's been great. Yeah. Uh, The people that didn't want to ride in the horses would ride around in the in the little uh, wagon. (laughs) Is there a wagon? What's what's safer? I'd rather be on the horse, truthfully, because that that little wagon was kind of crazy. But how do you stop a wagon? Well, no, it had a it had a, a little four wheeler in front of it towing it around. Right. Okay. But you know, you're on hay bales, 
and there's yeah. like not much of a rail. I'd rather <laughs> be on the horse. At least you can hang on to the horse. Yeah. Um, but it's it was fun. But th- those big events, we don't participate. Okay. Yeah. Do you, so do you have any events that you kind of do throughout the year? N- other than uh, membership pickup parties, uh, that's all we do. Spring Barrel? Um, not, don't we, do that? We didn't participate. Yeah. Um, Is we, there a reason we, behind that, that you choose not to engage well, in that? Well, we're, we're not part of Wine Yakima Valley. Okay. And that's their sanctioned event. Oh, okay. Um, we don't do the uh, the little passport laminate things. Right. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. So it was just a regular weekend for us. Right on. Um, we deter parties of eight or more unless you have a reservation. Um, we just don't have uh, the people... Um, to do a group that's much larger unless it's an organized event and yeah. we're, we're, we're spending all our time on your group. Um, well, the way you have it set up, if, if I am going to Sheridan, I know I'm going to have a, a great experience because they've set it up to be able to give me a great service. Right. Yeah. And so that sounds like maybe that's what you've put forward. Yeah, the table services, it means more to us. And, you know, we've got a, a thing this Saturday coming up with a, a legislator and, uh, they're bringing 35 or 40 people, and, but it's at the end of the day, so we're going to close early. And you know now. And so we you know prepare. now. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So we'll have stations set up for them, and we'll do two wines at each station, and yeah. um, that'll be nice. Anyone who's worked in the service industry knows, but if you set a, a closing time, that's you're not leaving for many hours after no, that, no, those no. people show up. And, and Well, and the impetus behind, part of it. and I've, I've used that twice now in our conversation. <laughs> um, it's okay. The idea behind uh, the 4 o'clock is that members show up. They want to stay for the afternoon. They want to enjoy themselves. Because so it is nice. You're at a winery. It, it is very comfortable. Yeah. Uh, they might have brought some snacks. We might be you know, doing some food just on the fly type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if somebody walks in at like 4.30 or so, um, like last weekend, we had a group from Two Mountain come down at 4.30. There was 14 of them. They had wow. four dogs. Uh, we allow <laughs> dogs. We ask that you pick up after them. I feel like that's common sense. We ask that you pick up after them. <laughs> I um, I can't believe that's still a thing people have to say just in general. Yeah. I own a dog. I was or, disappointed uh, Sunday yeah. morning when I got back in there because I, I found a... Well, especially out of business. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't mind. I mean, <laughs> I've got four dogs and I, right, I, I right. clean it up all the time, so it's no big deal. But Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they can stay. You know, and anybody that's in there that's not a member... And we shut the gate. They can stay as well. We're mm-hmm. not kicking anybody out. We yeah, just yeah. we want to make it so that we're not hosting people after four o'clock that are starting a new tasting. You know, they're they're yeah. going through the lineup of the wines. So they could be there a long time. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're starting over, and um, just to keep my staff fresh. Is there a wine that you've personally been enjoying recently? Like this month, you're like really into this wine, or are you just? more into all wines at all times <laughs> yeah yeah i um uh, geez a good one again yeah um i've been drinking some cool rosés um yeah. um there's a couple there's a yakima valley um rosé from a winery down in walla walla that i like a whole lot um um, I've been, I just got a case of, uh, Northern Italian rosé that is very, very good. Um, got some, um, um, Southern French rosé Provençal. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my favorite, you know, uh, Grenache based or Mouved based. Um, so yeah. Um, nothing that's really, um, ah, there's one Provençal rosé that I had recently oh, yeah. that it's about 30 bucks on the shelf, which is a lot for a rosé. That is a lot for a rosé. It was fantastic. And uh, 
what are you eating with that rosé? You already told me earlier, but I, I forgot again. Yeah, pretty much uh, anything. The, well, and I have a couple of those at home. Kim are, are going to have a Friday night two-inch thick bone-in ribeyes. I'll do them on the uh, Traeger grill. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll crumble a little goat cheese over okay. that. And then just the arugula yeah. uh, tossed in a simple vinaigrette. And that's dinner. Gosh, living with you sounds great. <laughs> uh, there's a reason that uh, they call me Big John because I, uh, I, I probably could lose some weight. But, you know. You own it. Big John. That's it. Yes. Um, Have you ever thought or do you think about often getting wine into the international market, getting Sheridan wine overseas? Or is that just we're in we're in England and we're in Sweden. Okay, Um, I know that. But again, um, with covid and shipping and all that, we haven't sent any wine over there for a long time. Uh, The wine commission was big on that for for a while, getting getting the the upper tier um, Washington wines uh, into Europe, and we had you know some good success, but at the same time they're they're taking you know a layer of wine, fourteen cases, so it's not much. And it's just like a test, yeah, uh, testing yeah. the waters out there. But how cool would that be if you're in London one day and you can order some Washington wine? If I was in Paris, then it'd be cool. Yeah, London. Yeah, well, you said I, the UK, so right, right yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah Paris yeah. W- would be cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. You were talking about what you were just doing up in the, uh, up in the canyon. Is oh that, yeah, is that something you'd want to talk about on the podcast? Sure, okay. sure. So, right before you came in today, you were up in the Yakima Canyon. Uh, what were you doing up there? Canyon River Ranch. So yeah. it's um, it's been around for fifteen twenty years or so, and it's a lodge. Uh, they've got great accommodations there. Uh, they do fly fishing, skeet shooting. Um, so you float the river and fish, and you have guides and. Uh, they have a little grill there that's called Canyon River Grill, and, and it's gone through a number of chefs, you know, mm-hmm. up and down. I used to sell them wine there. We've done a lot of food events, food and wine events up there um, years past. And um, Chef Kevin Davis from Steelhead Diner, from Blue Acre Seafood, anybody from Seattle will know uh, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, when COVID hit, uh, he closed all five of his restaurants in Seattle and um he, uh, unbeknownst to me, was uh, the one that put that kitchen in at the Canyon Ranch. So okay. he knew those guys, you know, from day one, and he had this opportunity to take over. And so Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, um, they do these badass dinners. He mm-hmm. flies in fish from Alaska and Hawaii. Uh, he's got a great meat program that he um, uh, ages, um, uh, good Washington beef, and uh, it's a little out of the way. But it's gorgeous up there, though, Stunning for the people who haven't been. It's this really dramatic canyon. It's just uh, it feels very remote. It's not that far out of Yakima. What, 20, 30 minutes up the road? It's 17 miles off the freeway as you're coming into Yakima. Yeah. uh, It's gorgeous up there. And I feel like that's you're either going up there to fish, float the river or go to the ranch. That's it. Yeah. But uh, I've driven and floated past the ranch, but I've never been but now you're making me want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool place. They do lunches Friday and Saturdays. They do a brunch on Sunday. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great restaurants. I was going to so. say, do you have any other restaurants that you might uh, feel like giving a special my, shout out to? My or? my two faves are uh, Provisions in Terrace Heights. Um, Lindsay and Amy there run a, a tight ship. They they do a great wine list, great cocktails. Uh, and then the opposite end of the town, Water Fire out by the airport. Um, Chef uh, Darren Davis has mm-hmm. uh, one of the best seafood and meat programs that I've seen in, in a long, long time. So Yeah. Um, and then for uh, we have a few listeners in Seattle, uh, kind of that's where I live. And a lot of my friends listen. Mm-hmm. 
What about anywhere over in Seattle? Well, you know, I have not been to um, Seattle uh, dining for quite some time. and Probably about um, over a year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have fair. a chef that I ran into years ago um, at a place called Outlier um, at Hotel Monaco, and he moved from there to RN74, and now he's opened a new place called 84 Yesler. Um, he, he, he's made probably the greatest vegetarian dish uh, I've ever had. And it wow. was the, the, big this, this carrot dish and it had, um, I think it was smoked feta on it. I mean, this was, I love when people get creative. You, with you vegetarian didn't miss dishes. the meat. It was yeah. Vatavon, Vatavon carrots. Vatavon carrots. Yes. Yeah. He served that at Taste Washington one year and I was just like, I was telling people to go by. And this is on Yesler way in downtown uh, 80, somewhere. 84 Yesler. Yeah. That's the name of the restaurant. Yeah. So. It's in downtown. Uh, uh, Pioneer Square. Pioneer Square. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got to check that out. Um, what other uh, what other cities do you travel to often? Um, I go to Portland quite often. I don't really eat there. It's just kind of a pass through um, on my way to Eugene. Sure. Um, I'm a big Oregon Duck fan and have oh, no. season tickets. And yeah, <laughs> I get a lot of hell for no, it living in, living over here. My wife's a husky and a cougar. Um, my my sister's a husky and I'm a husky. Um, but you know that that's okay. <laughs> you know we we have to have these bitter rivalry yeah. ri- rivalries and. Um, lately the ducks have, uh, um, kicked some butts. So it's uh, a good, uh, if I knew more about sports, I would come back at you with right. something, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just more of a arts guy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, normally I, I talk for longer, but I, I mean, what else, what else would you like to talk about? I can edit, I'm editing stuff. So okay. kind of just like, uh, I don't know you super well, so I wanted to kind of just, I want to ask you right now, like what kind of. What's been going on right now that you feel like you could offer like a good perspective on or is there anything that what I've seen lately and especially with um, Eastern Washington opening up is um, our travelers from Portland and from Seattle and even from Spokane um, coming uh, down here and spending a lot of time in the Upper Valley. Um, And it's been um, it's been heartwarming to see the amount of people that are coming to Yakima and. Uh, venturing down valley and really spending some quality time in Zilla. Um, of course, we have people that are you know heading um, down to the Tri Cities. Uh, most often, they're headed to Walla Walla. Right. Know, so we're giving them uh, an idea of where to go down there. And you know, my 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 friends down there and the people uh, that I I like. And, right. Uh, but it's been so heartwarming to see people come and stay, mm-hmm. you know, in our neck of the woods and really not venture much further because we have so many opportunities. You know, our little stretch of land up here on this hill. Um, we've got some damn fine wineries. We've got some great hospitality and, you know, this little strip on Highland drive and, and up here on Gilbert, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's pretty hard to beat in the area. And, you know, and you, if you can't find a place to stay down Valley, there's lots of places to stay in Yakima and it's right. less than, you know, it's like 25 minutes down here. That's where I usually tell, I tell people that like if, if, if there's not a lot of places to stay because we're here in Zilla and Zilla is a pretty small town, but yeah. Yakima is not that far at no. all. Maybe you can make it up to the ranch. Well, and it's, you know, it's kind of a crossroads. I mean, you can come from Portland and drive along the Columbia River Gorge, whip over Satis Pass, boom, mm-hmm. you're in the valley. You know, coming from Seattle, once you get past Cleelum, the topography totally changes. You mm-hmm. go from, you know, evergreens to sagebrush and wheat, yeah. you know, and then you drop into the valley and it's all green and lush. Well, that's because of irrigation. Yeah. And we have, I have to thank Chief Kamayakin for that, for diverting the Yakima River 
and creating that the the uh, Wapato Basin and Toppenish and where all the you know the hops and the vegetables and and the fruit are grown and when did that happen? Oh, oh, a couple hundred years ago. That's um, a yeah old old thing. Well, and and uh, Sheridan uh, initially had a uh, a label dedicated to Chief Kamaik and and we just recently um, uh, well we had sold it to Deneen and. Um, they were asked by the the native tribes to uh, stop using that, mm-hmm. and and they had already stopped using that name. Right. But on the back of the label, it was an homage to the chief right. for what he had done. Because if we didn't have that diversion of water, this this would be very brown. I mean, you look at our hills right now, and they're brown. But it's the an valleys. oasis in a big desert. Yes. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Van Arnhem Vineyards is. I, don't, I haven't been to Sheridan in a while, but Van Arnhem Vineyards is kind of. Uh, you can see the edge of the, like you can look out that way and you right. can see the edge of yep. the irrigation and be reminded that this place is pretty brown unless yep. if you're not having all this planting going on. Well, and for people that don't know that much about um, Eastern Washington as a whole, so it is high desert, uh, classified high desert. Right. We get less than six inches of precipitation a year. It never That's rains. rain, snow, sleet, hail, anything. So mm-hmm. it is dry, dry, dry. And yeah. without this irrigation, it would be, like I said, brown. And uh, fortunately, that kind of um, protects us from fire season uh, for the most part, because when we have the fires in the hills, they'll come down and they'll stop just short of the orchards, of the vineyards, because they're so lush and green, it's hard to burn that mm. uh, unless you have fuel. And we only have sagebrush out here. You know, yeah, there's no forest there, out here. There's right. nothing for yeah. it to really catch fire. So we're kind of, that's, we're, we're protected that way. I haven't thought about it like that, but that's so true. I've yeah. never had a yeah. fire warning out here um, to be concerned about it. Sometimes you can see them in the hills, but right. Right. yeah. I mean, you were talking about the drives over from Seattle and from Portland. I grew up in the Portland area. Now I live in Seattle. And for people who live in those regions that have not driven over, the drive fly, flies by because it's so beautiful it and it, it just constantly is changing right and you're just seeing how diverse washington is and it's actually not that long it's only a few hours it you can do it in a weekend it's easily it's equidistant from portland and seattle right to zilla i yeah. mean if you if you drew a triangle it would almost be an isosceles i've done that triangle yeah. a lot <laughs> as i'm sure you have yeah I, I explain that to people when i travel and they're like yeah it's it's the same distance wherever you fly into and a lot of times I'll I'll tell people to fly into Portland because you'll bank right over top of Mount St. Helens and, mm. and um, uh, Mount Hood. And then the drive along the Columbia, Columbia River Gorge, you know, you got 2,500 foot basalt cliffs. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for the driver because you don't get to look around as much. <laughs> but for the passengers, it's awesome. I studied geology when I oh, was in college there we go. and cool. we went on field trips and I'm like, this is where I we went to the Acoma Canyon. I'm yeah. like. This is where I like grew up. Like I had no idea this was that cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my professor's nerding out looking at the rocks. But totally. Yeah. Are you? Uh, do you have any planned uh, for dinner tonight? Uh, special? Uh, no. I, I smoked some chicken thighs um, last night. Um, um, made up some little um, chicken and um, prosciutto um, tortellinis and a little cream sauce for my wife. She's a hospice nurse and is working nights, and so she's sleeping as we speak. And okay. Um, so for tonight, I'll probably make a big chicken salad for dinner. And then I've got some smoked ham 
I'll can probably... I guess a wine that you might choose to go with that? Well, she won't be drinking any wine. Right. And when she's gone, I usually don't okay. sit at home and drink alone. I might have a glass Fair. of rosé. There are four NBA games on tonight, so mm-hmm. um, once she leaves, I'll be uh, supplanted uh, on, <laughs> on the couch with the dogs around me, uh, right. yeah, keeping the house cool. And, right. And, um, I was going to guess basketball. chicken... White wine is that a good? Uh, for the most part, I mean, you could do a lemon burger with chicken. Okay. You know, if it was if it was a hot dish, not not so much with the chicken salad. Okay, um, I'd probably have a French Sauvignon Blanc, something from the Loire Valley or something okay. like that. Um, nothing too heavy. Um, if you did like a Roussan or Marsan, they they would be a little bit heavier and, and um, a little heavier on the palate, and probably wouldn't go with the vinaigrette all that well. So okay, I'm trying to learn. Sure, I'm trying to become sure a wine expert because my parents own this winery but my knowledge is is low i'm trying well, to build <laughs> the, way, the way you learn is taste 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 every yeah. every chance you get you yeah. know go someplace else and you'll you'll find out what you like but more importantly what you don't like and that's the most important thing when you're out shopping for wine something um, i've learned that i'm i'm not trying to knock this kind of wine at all but my personal taste is for some reason i don't love syrah and i don't know i don't know enough about the terminology to know why i don't like it but there's something specific about syrah that I'm just I'm not a big fan of well welcome to the general public <laughs> because they they do not get Syrah and do you get, uh, do you like do you get Syrah I, I love Syrah and so, Syrah is a chameleon as well it, it can taste so completely different so you grow it up here in these you know these hot days yeah. um, you grow them up in, in the uh, the horse heaven hills um, you get lots of tannin and structure uh, you grow it at Red Mountain, you get tons of tannin. You get a wine that, you know, is, is more like Cabernet tannin-wise. You grow it down in Walla Walla, you have a big diverse area there. They can You can grow it up in the, the Blue Mountains and the hills. You'll have blue fruits. It's really pretty and aromatic. You can grow it down in the rocks, the real hot area, and you'll get the minerality and the the, the olive brine. And, and so it, it is true chameleon. But the general public really doesn't get that. It's, so why, what is it about Syrah that tastes different? I think it's the earthy quality of it. It doesn't yeah. tend to have uh, as much acid um, uh, unless it's grown in you know high elevation area. Okay. Um, so it is... So is Syrah sort of a wine lover's wine? It, it is. Yeah. And we have a lot of Syrah in Washington, and a lot of people don't... They're not able to sell it, mm-hmm. um, so it gets blown into a lot of blends. And it adds some nice color to... Um, uh, to like a cab and Merlot blend, um, but it's um, it's not something that I like. I like Syrah by itself. I like Syrah with like-minded grapes like Grenache or Mouvet or Cinso, Cunois, Carignan. Those those typical Rhone varieties because those really blend well together. Syrah with Cabernet and, and Merlot and Cab Franc. I it, it's not my favorite, so I tend not to buy wines that that have um, right. those together. Right. Well. I think we can wrap it up. I, okay. I had a great time talking with you. Thanks for coming in. You too. Yeah. It's Max, right? It is Max, not Mark. <laughs> and you're John Cottle from Sheridan. Yes. Thanks for coming in, John. My pleasure. Yep. Have a great day.